In today's 18 Clubs and 18 Days team overview, we'll be talking through the Carlton Blues, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Liam and Will. Hey, guys. So, as usual, Will, do you want to start us off by giving us an overview of Carlton? Yeah, for sure. So, Carlton were one of the inaugural 2017 teams. They have had a patchy history throughout the AFLW. They've uh, made a grand final in 2019, which they lost to Adelaide. In the recent season six that has just been completed in the first half of this year, they finished eighth with four wins and six losses. Uh, they're coached by Daniel Harford and Captain Karen Peterson, who you may know as Karen Harrington. She got married in the off season, so congratulations to Karen. And they'll be looking forward to an interesting season coming up ahead, having lost quite a few of their best players. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting team to discuss because it is a team not so much defined by the players that they have, but the holes that they have as a result of this off-season. Yeah, so ins and outs is a big deal for Carlton going into Season 7. Like, in comparison to yesterday when we were chatting about Brisbane, they've not really lost very many players. They've remained pretty stable going into Season 7, so we kind of know what they're going to look like. Lots of changes here for Carlton. Liam, do you want to run us through some of the big ones? The big change is that they've lost their superstar, Maddie Presparkis, former AFLW best and fairest, and by far and away their best midfielder. She's moved over to Essendon, being a lifelong Bombers supporter. Has I'm sure you're happy about. A hundred percent. I'm just so <laughs> excited. But we'll talk about Essendon at a later date, but it's going to be so juicy. So then you add in the fact they've lost their best midfielder. They've also lost their best outside runner, winger in Grace Egan to Richmond. They've lost their best speedy half forward in Georgia G. They've lost their leading goal scorer from last year, Courtney Jones. And they've lost their third leading goal scorer from last year, Nicholas Stevens. And then to top it all off, they've also lost Lauren Brazale from the team. So it's a laundry list of some very good players, a lot of goals and a lot of midfield minutes. Is anyone in there outside of Maddie Presparkas that really stands out as a key out? I think the two wingers that you were talking about, Grace Egan and Georgia G, it's really going to shake up that midfield mix for Carlton because they're going to have to replace basically all of their outside run. It's going to be very interesting to see who comes in to replace them. Funnily enough, they've picked up a very interesting outside runner and winger from Collingwood in Amelie Villado. And then in the hope of managing to replace some of the goals that they've lost from last year. They picked up Phoebe McWilliams from Geelong. Outside of that, it was a pretty lean acquisition period for Carlton. It was very much defined by what they lost in particular yeah, like to Essendon. Net loss. But in AFLW fantasy, crisis breeds opportunity. Those CBAs, <laughs> those goals, that's a whole lot of points out there for players that otherwise haven't scored particularly highly. It's going to be a fascinating team to see what happens. So, Let's use that as the perfect launching point to talk about the fantasy-relevant players in Carlton. And let's start off with the defenders. Will, do you want to run us through the defenders for Carlton? So, yeah, Carlton's backline are a fantastic bunch of players for fantasy, and they're really the strength of the Carlton team. They've got a lot of high-possession, high-marking players in that backline, headlined by the captain, Karen Peterson, as well as possibly the most consistent player in that backline, Gab Pound. These sorts of players will probably get quite a lot of the ball, 
as the ball will be back there a fair bit. Um, nice. Gab Pound in particular is a player who gets a lot of kicks from the, the kickouts. She likes to play on, do those short kicks, and then take marks on that back line as well. So there's a bit of uh, interest there for me for fantasy players in that back line for Carlton. Interesting, though, that you say that Gab Pound is super consistent. She took a massive step up last year from a fantasy scoring potential, whereas previously she'd been averaging in the 50s, had some really big games towards the back end of the season and kind of popped in particular with an 88 against the Gold Coast Suns in the second last round of the year and then also managed some pretty decent scores against St Kilda and Adelaide. She's definitely someone that is going to be a player we will want to have in our teams at some point. But do we think that she's someone who's already maxed out in value? Is she going to be able to take that next like 10-point step up again with extra opportunities? Or is she kind of hit the max role and that max scoring potential for the role she plays? Yeah, I think being a super consistent player but adding that fantasy scoring aspect was a real benefit for coaches last year. I think she'd be pretty close to that max point. Uh, we saw really some of her absolute best at the end of last season. So it's going to be a question of whether... She fits into your pricing structure as a player that you want to just pick to begin with and just leave throughout, or whether she's someone to target later on to upgrade to. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny you say that. There was a point last in season six at about uh, round four, I think. I was looking at bringing in a new defender and I thought, oh, Carlton's not doing too good. Maybe I should bring in one of either um, Gab Pound or Karen Peterson. I made the wrong choice in hindsight and brought in Harrington Peterson. And the trajectories from then onwards uh, really tell different stories with Pound just kind of going up and up and uh, Peterson not so much. I uh, I went for Gab Pound later in the season. I was very happy to benefit from those uh, those high-scoring later season scores. And I did consider Karen early in the year, but my trade structure didn't really work for it, which ended up being a, a bit of a benefit to me. Mm. Yeah, interesting with with Harrington Peterson last season, is really popped off round two, massive score. But the situation that kind of made it very interesting is Carlton were bleeding a lot of points at the beginning of the year. And so her role became a much more key defensive player and was not being used in the transition. And her downward scoring trajectory matched up perfectly with Gab Pound's increase. Carlton has a very high possession style of gameplay, particularly coming out of defence. And Gab Pound is one of the unique players that plays a fantasy role that doesn't really exist outside of a couple of players in AFLW, which is a lot of kick marks and running halfback, whereas that role is a lot more common in AFL men's fantasy. It'll be interesting to see if next season, Karen Peterson is able to regain that role as a switching kick mark player and can accumulate those plus sixes more frequently. Absolutely. And I think one of the interesting things that we talk about for defenders and forwards, but in this case, defenders, obviously, is that we want players who get midfield time. And Karen Peterson is one of those rare players where midfield time actually didn't benefit her scoring. If anything, it actually hindered her scoring. So she was listed on the wing for the last four rounds of the season and played a fair bit of that wing role. And that coincided with, with a drop-off in scoring. She finished the season with a, a season low of just 28 points. And I think that was also in part because they spent some of their time using her as a tagger, which is very not good for fantasy scoring. Mm -hmm. So as Liam's pointed out, if she can regain that position in the back line as part of that kick mark game style, getting those easy plus sixes, 
she's definitely one to, to consider and she may even be underpriced. But if, if you see her lining up on the wing and doing that midfield role, it actually may not be beneficial, contrary to the regular um, things that you think about in fantasy of defenders playing in the midfield. It's one where the changeability in role and Karen Peterson's ability to play multiple positions actually hampers her as someone to target in fantasy. But if you can find that run at the perfect time when you're like, oh, I feel like she's back in defense fully now and they're using her in the switches, we'll be probably underpriced at that point. Just before we move on to the midfielders where there's going to be a million players to talk about, one third-year potential breakout player that we might want to discuss is Daisy Walker. Will be priced in the low 40s, I think at 41 or 42 points, but averaged 50, 55 in the back end of last season. As Carlton looked to improve, will most likely be named as a defender. And with another preseason, is someone that we may see continue to increase their scoring. Yeah, I think she's definitely a really good option. In terms of your starting team, she's one that's probably in that awkward price point where maybe a bit too expensive to fit in as a lower price player, but not really on the scoring end to to really push that necessity to get her early on. But she's definitely one to keep an eye on. If she, if she can really keep that improvement up, could be a, a future option in that back line. Moving right along to the midfielders, there's one name that I think stands out above everybody else. And that's because it's about the only high-scoring fantasy player in the midfield. And that's Mimi Hill. Did we all own her last season? Yeah, I think just about everyone uh, jumped on the, the Mimi Hill bandwagon once she started coming back in. Her scoring at her price point was just too good to pass up. Yeah, I reckon we all pretty much got her at the same time as well. She was just a fascinating story from last year. Comes in round five after having been injured the season prior as a rookie. Comes yeah. in. ACL injury as well, so not a not an easy injury to be coming back from. And then proceeds to make the All-Australian squad and win Rising Star. Almost unheard of to miss nearly half the season and to be seen as that dominant a player. And from a fantasy perspective as well, is clearly a relevant player, can average, can score well into the hundreds. Do you guys think it's so she is someone to target with additional opportunities or... Because she's that superstar midfielder that's already there, of the only kind of superstar midfielder, Carlton, is she going to be right for a tag? I think it's it's going to be a really interesting one because the makeup of that Carlton midfield is very up in the air at the moment. And at the moment, I'd be looking at her thinking she's going to cop attention. She tailed off towards the end of last season as Carlton's form did. So I think she, she's a sort of player that at her price point, it's a risk. She's clearly a very very talented player. She can push up to those really high scores. But if you're looking for a mid-price option, I'm not sure that the value is there for, for Mimi Hill at this stage. Mm, yeah. That leads to the next question, which is where is the value in that Carlton midfield? I, I think that Lucy McAvoy is primo target. I, I believe that you're a, a very early on the Lucy McAvoy train there, Mel, having her yeah. last year. I definitely got on the bandwagon and then fell immediately off. I guess the, the big thing about Lucy McAvoy, she suffers a bit in terms of fantasy scoring for the similar reasons to Karen Peterson. She basically played everywhere across the park last season. She's a big body, so she can play as that sort of key defender. She can play as that midfielder, which we're hoping she'll play this year. But she actually spent a lot of the end of last season across the half-forward line. So it's one of those ones where if she can get forward status possibly unlikely but if she does get forward status i think she becomes very relevant especially if she does see that early midfield time what we saw last season were 
the players to own in defense and attack were those players who had previously been in a bunch of different positions, picked up forward or defender status, and then spent the entire season in the midfield. I'm talking about Swanson and Webster being, I'd say, the two key ones, but then also Tyler Hanks. If she is a permanent midfielder, which she was when she was pick two in the draft, although we haven't seen that high-scoring peak, surely there's just going to be that much opportunity to be around the ball that a big body like that will must accumulate points. I think one of the other things about her is even though she wasn't a huge scoring player, she didn't drop below 45. There's definitely scope there to be a consistent scoring player, especially as a forward, if that does come to pass. But if she does get that midfield opportunity, she's now at that age and stage of her career where she can really take that next step to really start accumulating the ball. Yeah, to me, kind of slots in with the mid-price madness. Of, she was priced at about 45 grand at the start of last season. Bit of a risk. Is she going to be average? Is she going to be great? She stayed average. So I'm a little bit burnt. Once a player does me bad, I don't want to bring him back regardless, which is probably not a great approach to fancy, but yeah. Yeah, I guess to your point last year, she had a season price change of very little compared to what her starting price was. So she was she started priced at around about 53 and ended the year priced about 52. We didn't see that shift in, in fantasy last year, but I also think with Prasparkas gone, they need high-end talent in that midfield. We've seen mm-hmm. Mimi Hill. They've got some draftees coming in which we'll talk about shortly but to me she is the player that Carlton need to take that next step to make their midfield basically competitive on the topic of the draftees will do you have any thoughts on any key ones that we might want to own from Carlton particularly midfielders if they're going to get the role yeah so so in that midfield I think they drafted two midfielders they drafted Keely Skepper and Lily Goss I think those two are definitely likely to get early game time, especially with the holes that they've got in the midfield. Lily Goss in particular came straight out of their VFLW side. She's a mature age recruit. So they'll be looking for for those sorts of players to step up in the absence of the superstars like Prasparkas. So I think Lily Goss, especially being at a rookie price, is a player you could probably look at as getting opportunity early to score some points in the midfield. We've seen it last season with someone like a Megan Kiley being a key kind of mature age recruit to own, given that I think the big thing is maybe they don't hit the same highs as players who played a lot at around the same age. It's just that that floor is so much higher than an 18-year-old who if they get bodied around and they get in a position where they're just constantly getting pushed off the ball, that basement score can be like 20, whereas it's much easier to kind of lock in that 45, which from your rookies, your bargain price and players, that's still a massive plus for your team construction. On Keely Skipper, Someone who we haven't seen play at the VFLW level, but someone who averaged 95 in the NAB League and then 70 at under 18 championships. So clearly has a fantasy relevant style of gameplay. If either of them are starting best 21 week one, I'd say one, if not both, will be somewhere on your team. Yeah, and I think the the biggest issue in terms of players like these two is that we're likely to be blessed with a multitude of low price players thanks to the expansion. So it's going to be whether you can fit them in. But I suppose the the only other player that we we haven't talked about in that Carlton midfield was a very popular rookie pick last year, and that was Keely Shearer. Yeah, mm. Keely Shearer was someone who burst onto the scene, much like Mimi Hill did, and then kind of slowly petered back. See, I'd actually disagree with that because she came onto the scene 
in round three with a 21, which for a, a rookie, you think, all right, that's that's all right. But then throughout the the rest of the season, she played, she scored a 70 playing as a midfielder in round four, didn't play again until round seven, scored a 55, a 66, and a 70 to end the year, along with another 25. So there's clearly fantasy pedigree there, but there's some real bottom scores as well. Only her first season, going into the second season with some experience, is she a player who can really start owning maybe that wing role and make herself fantasy relevant? If, if the wing role is there 100%, and I, I will note that a lot of the time when she was playing, she was playing off halfback. If that's a defender status player, could be, but it's just a game going to be so awkwardly priced as well. There's yeah. just going to be so many of those players where you take too many mid-priced risks, you're going to end up with just too many misses. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that because if you're looking for, for a player who's going to score around about that 50 average, you could probably find one in the in the bargain players in the expansion pool. So it does make it quite an awkward proposition, but definitely one to put on your watch list to, to see what role she's playing early in the season. And if she does get that defensive status, will probably be even more relevant as a potential lower cost player that you can get a bit of value out of. Yeah, I got a, I got a lot of value out of her last year. I brought her in in round seven. Uh, stuck her in my utility position, which I don't actually think I got to use very often. But yeah, her break even was ridiculously low given how well she was performing. So I think she's definitely not going to have that situation again. So now she's really competing with the other decent mid-price players. So might be a pass. Moving right along to the forwards, this is going to be a very different discussion to the midfield where there is a lot of unknown and we don't really know who's going to come in to fill the void. Obviously, they've lost three of their top five goal scorers from last year with Darcy Vessio being the superstar that they are. We've had Phoebe Williams join but, Will, do you think that there's anyone particularly fantasy relevant in the Carlton forwards? From from those experienced names, probably not. I think Phoebe McWilliams has been a fantastic player for both GWS and Geelong in the past, but that's more from a, an actual game perspective. In terms of fantasy, I don't think there's a whole lot of, of interest in key forwards such as that. Darcy Vescio is a really interesting one because they've been a popular pick last year, mostly because they were someone that people knew. They were 21% owned despite having a season average of just 39. Mm. Well, this is this is one of the things that we're really hoping to help people with is that don't have to just pick a player by name. Vescio, they're an incredibly good player, but at the same time, last year they were essentially the only real option up there as a, as a key forward, which meant that they copped a lot of attention. They even spent a fair bit of time running through the midfield just to try and get them into the game. So I, I probably wouldn't be looking at either of those two. Once again, the only real options that you're looking at are probably bottom price players coming through the draft. And I was much like you were saying, like you were saying, Darcy Vessio, a name I knew because they'd been the leading goal scorer the year prior and a lot of their content was out in the media. They're a fascinating story and a fascinating person. So when it came to fiddling around with my starting squad, Darcy Vessio was sitting in my forward line and I had no idea that as a fantasy relevant player, just not the same as actual game impact in this instance. Yeah, that's something I'm really looking forward to going into the second season of AFLW Fantasy is we're going to have less of those just names that we know because we've heard them in the news in our starting squads and a bit more fantasy knowledge going in. So no no massive reshuffles needed in round two because uh, because of the steep learning curve. 
So I guess one other interesting player in Carlton's forward line, who's similar to a lot of their players, has played all across the all across the ground, is Aliso Day. And one of the reasons I quite like Aliso Day is because she has a history of being an incredibly high-scoring midfielder, especially in her time at Melbourne. Her scoring has been consistently dropping across her career, it must be said. But she's one of those players that could end up playing a more pivotal uh, midfield role if they do want to bring in an experienced midfielder. Do you reckon that's something that could possibly come to pass or do you think that we're falling into a veteran trap with this one i think in a classic will fashion you know too much about what players used to be uh, the trajectory is consistently down this is a veteran trap mm. not yeah. every veteran who scored well in the past is libby birch just remember that <laughs> another will unique pick uh, you know, it could be great. And then now that we've actually got all of this on recording, we can come back and you can be like, ha, told you so. Uh, if she does get listed as a forward, I think there's potential there for value if she does get a more midfield role, even as just like a mid-price player. But mm, as such, we've got a lot I, to pick from. I think I think that that Carlton forward line just just worries me. I don't think they get enough of that ball in there to make it a really good option. And I think that for Carlton, youth is going to be key. So I'm not sure there's a midfield role for there, but an interesting player to to look at given her history because mm. she has been a player that has pushed above 120. Will, Will, if I was to ask you, without you having had looked at the stats previously, when was the last time Aliso Day scored above 80? My guess would be all the way back in probably, what, 2020 or 2019? Yep, round three, 2019. That's not a good. That's not a good sign. If you, if I'm going to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and and as I said, I think it's just one of those players that, if you're looking for anyone in Carlton that could take on a role, mm. which at this stage it's pretty much all up in the air. We've only got a couple of certainties. She's one that could. Whether that translates to fantasy scores, I'm not sure it will. But an interesting point to uh to think about, regardless. I think what we can take away from that is no fantasy relevant forwards unless they're bargain price rookies moving on to the rucks now for a lot of these teams that we're going to talk about in these 18 days a lot of the time the ruck is not going to be a particularly relevant part of our fantasy teams but Brian moody is a gun flat out and is a fantasy beast as a ruck yeah if you're constructing your team are you going to put her in there she will be priced at 72 and easily the most expensive ruck in the game yeah it's it's a really interesting question because the Rux is such is such an interesting position, but with Brianne Moody, you know what you're going to get. She only dropped below 70 twice last season, and one of those scores was a 67. So if you're willing to, to splash the money to get her into your team to start with, you're not going to be disappointed. You're going to have a player that's going to just sit in your team, score your consistent points every week, and probably outscore a vast majority of other teams' rucks but it's a lot of money to spend on a position that you probably could find value in elsewhere. So it's, it's an interesting, it, it really will shape your squad if you do go for the premium ruck in Brianne Moody. Yeah. And what's really interesting is that quite often Brianne Moody was someone that because she never really dipped below her price at at any point, it was so difficult to bring her into your squad, very expensive and the play to begin last season of fantasy was to start with rookie price rucks wherever possible. And so a lot of teams were rolling around with, you know, a player that had made 15K. But to try and find that, you know, extra cash to put on top, nearly 40K, 
it's so, so difficult. Even when you are making a lot, you're making three trades a week, that amount of cash to find is really, really difficult. And that's where Brianne Moody's like consistently almost hurts her as a fantasy player because there's not like a, oh, I scored 31 week. We're now going to lose a bunch of cash. And so I'm going to be able to hit it just at its lowest point. And I agree with you, Will. It's it's one of those big decisions you're going to make and it will completely change the structure of your side because it's you would be one of very few people who are going to start with her. So it could be a great pod, but it's a massive risk when there's going to be some cheap players. Yeah, Pod being point of difference. Point of difference. Hopefully a really good podcast as well for us. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it really does change how you go about it because if you're looking for a ruck, in that middle price band. And we've talked about a few of them in the past in players like uh, Caitlin Gould from Adelaide. You're going to be saving yourself a fair bit of money for a player that's probably going to score pretty similar to who everyone else has got. So it is a big, big call to make because it could set you up well if you do the rest of your trades right, but otherwise you could be flagging behind in some of the other positions. I, I, I don't hate it to be completely honest because Upgrading rucks was possibly the most difficult thing to do last season. And I think if you're looking to upgrade players, you always want to be upgrading probably your midfielders first and foremost, because they're the ones that score you the bumper points. So it, it is an option that you could definitely go with early on, but you're really going to have to make sure that the rest of your options, particularly at the bottom end of your price, are the ones that you need and the ones that you want to get rid of early on to make that money to help elsewhere. If you had one take-home message, what would it be? For me, it's it's look at the defensive roles. I think we're going to have to be looking to see which players are playing on the wing and which players are playing that kick mark role in defence because those are the players from Carlton that you're going to want in your team. Yeah, my, my key takeaway for Carlton is they have one of the only kind of three, I, I guess, elite rucks in the entire competition that you would maybe consider bringing in if you're going down the strategic path of having an elite ruck. And it's something that we're going to need to talk a lot more about. And we're definitely definitely going to be speaking about Brianne Moody a lot more when we do our ruck episode, because that whole dynamic there is just very, lots of options. And if I had to come away with one thing from this, it's the preseason CBA numbers are just going to be some juicy, juicy content. Because if it comes from anyone that's not currently listed as a midfielder, they've got to be up the top five of your list of players to bring in. Yeah, and that, that Carlton midfield is going to be a big unknown until that preseason, so definitely something to keep an eye on. I reckon that pretty much takes us through the whole of Carlton. What do you guys think? Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm Carlton out at this point. Yeah, nice. Um, well, so thank you for listening to our third team overview of 18 teams or 18 clubs in 18 days. Next up is Collingwood because we're going in alphabetical order. Uh, and you'll be able to find that one tomorrow. Also, check it, check out our socials because we've done a best 21 of the Carlton players. You can find us at freekickwpod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to look at us individually, I am HiMelD on Insta. And you can find me LMTom1 on Twitter. And you can find me at WillH underscore VI on Instagram. Fantastic. Chat to you guys tomorrow. See ya. Nope.